Welcome to A Regenerative Future with Matt Powers. I'm your host, Matt Powers. Today I'm talking to Rob Greenfield. It's an incredible conversation. Rob is someone that has set his mind and set his life on a design and path to serve other people, to serve and inspire the world, to challenge the world, to be greater, to be better, to be more ethical, to live in more alignment with nature, and I, I dare say with being more human. Because so much of our, our world today is so unnatural, so foreign to what we naturally resonate with, what brings us joy, what you know, scientifically has been proven to give us the best health. And it's stressful. We live in the most stressful times. It is just absolutely crazy what's happening to so many people, so many businesses, so many institutions. Um, we're having the senescence of our economic system as a pandemic arrived during you know, one of the most contentious election years ever. And it's, it's, it's a mess. And people are searching for answers. People are searching for solutions. And this podcast gave me great peace. This episode, this is what I'm talking about, um, gave me great peace because Rob's perspective, his, his focus, his certainty is so powerful. And also the lessons he's learned, especially about living simply. I never heard someone explain it or highlight these aspects before that Rob does in this episode and it's changed the way I view stuff and it's made it so that I am going to commit to live more and more simply even though I have like you know stuff and, and plants and, and, and tools and seeds and a studio and it's like it's a lot of stuff and I, and I have these things so I can create possibility but, but there's a, a point at which too much stuff is too much stuff and it, it has me reevaluating, and maybe it'll have you doing the same so that you can be more nimble in your life, you can be more responsive, and you can create the kind of life that is meditative by design. So, this podcast was recorded last week. It's one of my favorite podcasts, and I think you're going to love it. All right? <laughs> Enjoy. The, the thing is, we have come to the point where we've got this really interconnected snarl, like a holistic problem, and we keep attacking it with like, two, like it's like 3D and we're attacking with like two-dimensional solutions. And you, what you're bringing to the table is really, really powerful for getting that like, that, that like knitting needle out and getting in there and really moving things around and being like, actually, you can rotate this all the way around. People are like, wait, what? You know, specifically referring to the fact that you're not just eating locally 100%, um, but you're growing all your own food, um, or you did in that challenge, mm -hmm. I should say. But but yeah, like maybe let's start there because I think it's okay. incredible like potency to what you're doing. Yeah, cool. So have we have we officially begun? Yeah, we've officially <laughs> begun. <laughs> <laughs> sure yeah so i mean i guess where that kind of started was in 2011 i i was living a pretty typical american lifestyle i was very focused on money material possessions financial wealth like 
the image that goes along with all that and kind of fitting into the mainstream society. I also, I was always a little removed in certain ways from mainstream society. Like I was never just a, I guess as some people would say a sheep. Uh, wait, a sheep? Can you, is a sheep? A sheep, yeah. Sheep is both plural and singular. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I was never full on sheep or anything like that, but I was pretty like, I had been sold on a lot of the mainstream narrative. And then basically I started to watch a lot of documentaries and read a lot of books and read things online. And I just started to realize that so much of what I thought was, a lot of it was a straight up lie. Uh, a lot of it had been sold to me by big corporations um, that wanted me to buy stuff. And then a lot of it was, you know, government's corruption and also just sloppiness. Um, and so one of the big things, though, is it was food. Like one of the early wake ups was was food um, and realizing where my food was coming from, how it was getting to me, the impact that it was having on the earth, other species on other people. And from a very early stage, like I wanted to really change the way I was eating. And it was for the beginning, it was bit by bit. You know, I was shopping at Walmart and buying almost all my groceries at Walmart in 2011. And so I started to question food. And then I quickly had the question, like, is it possible to actually step outside of the system completely and to, you know, grow all of your food and get all of your food from, from directly from the earth. But I wasn't even close to being able to personally explore that. I mean, I was still working on not double plastic bagging my plastic covered uh, chicken breasts that were pumped 30% full of water and another chunk of hormones and antibiotics. So, but early on I did have that question. And so finally getting to the point of growing and foraging all my food was about an eight year, seven years of step-by-step step transforming my diet and uh, finally getting to the point of, all right, I'm going to do this. I'm going to see, is it possible to step away from this completely and just grow and forage every bite of food for a year? Wow. So I think, I think many of us can resonate with this because the internet opened this door to new information and Sometime after college, I was in college till like 2004, um, I started watching Netflix, YouTube more. Um, I had read Howard Zinn's A People's History as part of my high school education. Um, and then I had watched Food Inc. And I think I saw that either on Netflix or something else online. Was that, was that kind of the same time period and the same sources? It sounds like I was later than you because I, you sounds like maybe you woke up earlier than me. 2011 is when I really started to watch documentaries, but Food Inc. was absolutely, I watched Food Inc. probably in 2011. It was one of the first documentaries that I watched and that was immediately like foundation shaking. Now, if I had watched just that documentary only and done nothing else, it probably wouldn't have been foundation shaking, but that and other documentaries like Zeitgeist. Um, uh, another big one at that time was uh, Earthlings. Um, and then a really important little series was the Story of Stuff, like YouTube series. That was big. And yeah, so lots of different things like that. And my, my foundation was very much shaken by by you know, just looking at the world from a different perspective from what I had been. 
Those videos were uh, and and that kind of time period and process because I, I mean the first videos that I kind of were watching were pretty woo woo. I mean we're talking about like the Gerson therapy videos, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it's like that that edge, quite the edge, you know. Um, but but it becomes very unsettling, and I remember having anxiety and, and, and basically being like, I need to figure this out. This is, this is awful. I'm, I started feeling suffocated. Um, yep. I'm really happy to say that I managed to fall into not woo woo content. Um, and I managed to fall into the content that was like generally well-made, you know, quality stuff that didn't set me down the wrong path. Cause unfortunately a huge number of people that are in this movement with us um, together, they're, they might, they have the same, like many ways, the same goals and aspirations, but they have fallen for a lot of like garbage content. And a lot of people, there's kind of this thing where you, you realize that the world is a lie. And so you move to the alternative narrative, but then you just bite up and you just take in all of the, the alternative and you just believe it must be true because it's the opposite. But the reality is that so much of that is garbage too. And uh, that's one of the big problems with our movement is that so much of people just believe the, the counter narrative, but so much of the counter narrative is, is garbage. Oh, and I, I mean, I feel like you just hit the nail on the head on a systemic uh, wide current problem that we're in with disinformation and trying to find what's true and what's not true. And, and I think your solutions hold fast, even in that context, going to the outer context of, um, I mean, what, what is your take? You know, uh, I mean, I, I think that being hands-on, doing the steps, the service, the philosophy, what you're showcasing and being exemplars of it, I think that's the path. But what do you like? I mean, when you're in your estimation, I mean, what is going on? It's like crazy. It feels like. <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> 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 Whew. Um, well, I mean, we are in a interesting time on earth. Now, I think that every time on earth has always been an interesting time on earth. Yeah. Um, a lot of people like to say, well, this is the most important election ever. And now more than ever, it's important to act. But the truth is, is that it's all, it's always, it's been crazy for quite some time. Mm. Um, and, but we are at a time, I do think we are at a time with, you know, increasing polarity and um, just, just an increasingness of the absurdity of a lot of things. Now, don't forget though, like people used to be burned for you for being witches when they like just used a plant. So by no means have things like just recently gotten crazy. It's always been a period of, the state of humanity has always been a state of insanity, in my mm. opinion. Um, mm. Actually, a better word than insanity is delusion. I think that largely a, the state of humanity is a state of delusion and Sometimes delusion is a coping mechanism. Sometimes it's a form of protection. Sometimes it's a form of intentionally steering people in the wrong direction. You know, sometimes it's evil, but a lot of the times it's, it's not evil. It's just uh, possibly an inability 
to deal with all that were the challenges of life. And so I do think that right now is a very difficult time. I do think that I understand when people feel like, well, there's nothing I can really do. I'm just going to, I'm just going to just do what I want. Like I'm just going to eat all the donuts and I'm just going to order lobsters from New Zealand and I'm just going to watch all the porno I want. And it, cause it just doesn't matter. The world is so screwed. But I mean, my basic philosophy is that no matter what's going to happen to humanity, I believe that life matters. Like I see a value in my life and your life and everybody who's listening to this, like we all value our lives and thus the life of everyone and everything matters. And so if we can do our part to, you know, increase quality of life of others while not decreasing the quality of life of others. So like, for example, not making sure that children have shoes by making those shoes in sweat labor factories for by other kids who don't have shoes, but instead looking at solutions that actually the resources that you use are a part of the solution, not a part of the problem. And so basically my summary is if that we, if we can live in a way where we're uplifting others, where we're increasing quality of life while not decreasing quality of life, then that's, it's meaningful and it's a purposeful way to exist. And the way that it exists and impacts others is meaningful and purposeful, no matter how insane the political landscape is, uh, no matter how bad a dictator is in, in a country, that is still meaningful to me. So much of, of what's going on is a lack of discernment. And there's, you know, there are those of us who, who and obviously we're, we're, no one's immune to, to everything, right? We all have a bandwidth of which we have blind spots. But so many people are like, oh, it's so obvious that this is, this is, you know, propaganda or this is made up or, or that's not scientific. <laughs> but but we, we are blinded in such a way. And I think so much of it has to do with the unnatural state we're in. And, and, and something that, that, that is so, for me, came out of working in the garden, eating the food that I grew and and taking part in i would say similar to what what you were talking about which is i would define as a virtuous cycle and when you're taking part of a natural virtual cycle uh, virtuous cycle where you're working with these plants that you know they thank you in a way that you can't really like quantify right in words perfectly but you know it and you get involved in this, this, this powerful relationship. That's what kind of gave me my certainty and confidence in many ways. And then the same thing in the classroom, working with kids, thousands and thousands of students, that gave me that, that confidence. But your certainty early on, I just watched uh, your video where you talk about death and taxes and, and family and everything. And you have this fortitude of certainty that I did that come out of eating your own food or did it come out of making right choices or is it something you know, else? It's, <laughs> it's everything. It, that's the thing. You know, it is everything. Um, I, I think 
I mean, one thing that just has kept coming to mind in this conversation already and, and looking at your shirt, you know, the permaculture, I love the shirt. And I think one of the most important things that I don't know if they necessarily say this directly in permaculture, but I'm sure this is a part of it is critical thinking. It's there like critical thinking is the opposite of labels. Mm -hmm. So it's not about putting a label on anything and then making your decisions based on whether this fits into that label, but just looking at each individual scenario and critically thinking about that. I think that is one of the absolute most important things for, for individuals who are looking at beating disinformation, living truthful lives, um, and you know, really being a part of the solution is always critically thinking. Um, as far as like my, I don't remember what word you used. You certainty. Know, you, have su you had such certainty. certainty in the decision making you made so early on that you're like, no, I am not going to have a family. I am not yep. going to have a government sanctioned relationship, a, i.e. a marriage. I'm not. And you had this level of certainty that is remarkable. And so I just noticed that, you know, very strongly. Yeah. So I will say that I think part of that is just something that was somehow born within me. You know, mm. even as a child, there was elements of that. But of course, I was very much, again, sold on trying to live a mainstream life in many ways. And I was constantly trying to fit in, which is sort of the opposite of certainty, trying to fit in. Um, so I, like, there's always been an element where that's been a part of me. But as far as like where that really comes from, well, for, you have to ask the question, uh, and that is, do humans have free will? And according to some science, we have no free will whatsoever, that I am not even deciding the words that I am saying to you right now. Now, I don't want to, I don't really, I don't really want to believe that. I don't want that to be the case, that I am, I have not made any of these choices, but I'm also open to that mm -hmm. um, possibility. Um, so I just wanted to acknowledge that, but leaving that aside in this context, I do think that my, my resoluteness comes from um, the big picture. Like the reason that I'm able to so definitively make my decisions in life is because I'm not caught up on the tiny little day-to-day -day picture that so many of us get caught up on. It's not which politician is better than the other it's how did life exist before politicians ever existed <laughs> you know it's I, always going back to humanity has existed before almost everything that we take into account in our decisions on a daily basis so i'm always removing myself from place and time mm, mm. so most of us are making our decisions based on the lo location that we're in and then within the time that we're in, the 21st century right now being 2020, what I try to do is I always zoom way out to humanity's existence over a longer period of time, not just the way that is being done right now, whether what's politically correct right now or what's mainstream right now or what's counter stream right now, but just beyond that. And then also beyond my place, I don't make my decisions based on what's common in the United States, because a US citizen is 
no more important or meaningful than a citizen of anywhere else in the world. So because I look from such a bigger picture, I'm able to make decisions that to other people, maybe one for one, they never would have even thought of that as a possibility within the decision-making process. But for two, I'm able to make it much more easily because I'm just, I'm just focusing on what I consider trying to remove myself from the delusions and the short sight, short sightedness of our society and focus on, uh, on realities and the big picture. It's really powerful to, to see that at work in your work and to see, you know, <laughs> going back to that, that, that video on death and debt, or we, I think debt, uh, debt was in there. You, you don't have debt, but, and you have such clarity around these things. Do you think that you arrived at this space well, how much, how influential do you think it was eating your own food? Because for me, it was like my, my inflammation in my stomach went mm. down. I think that there's a gut brain relationship that's not, it's not maybe in some people's, I think everyone has a gut intuition that gets thwarted by a bad diet. And, yeah. and I think that if we had better food, if we grew more of our yeah. own food with our hands touching that dirt and getting that dirt in us, you know, yeah. we would have better discernment perhaps. But, but I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. So for people that want to watch that video, it's called On Health Insurance, Age, and Death, mm. um, I believe is the name of the video on my YouTube channel. And, Herb. you know, you, you know, like theoretically, I agree with what you're saying. However... You know, I've been the way I am long before I was growing and foraging all my food. Like I yeah. only got to growing and foraging all my food in 2018. And I've been, you know, making big, you know, decisions long before that. And to, and also like a lot of the food that I ate, um, I've, I've lived a lot off dumpster diving. Right. And so when I dumpster dive for food, I eat a lot of food that I wouldn't buy because like if you find a donut in the dumpster, it's not harmful to the environment. It's not supporting any bad corporations. It's not killing any animals. It was already in the dumpster. And so I've eaten a lot of bad stuff for my body and still been able to make these decisions. So it's kind of like, theoretically, I agree with what you just said. And no doubt do I think that eating a healthier diet and especially eating a healthier diet where you're connected to that food, where you're connected to it literally by your hands, nurturing it and heart, planting it, nurturing it, harvesting it. All of that is so important to our gut biome, to our, men, our mental, our spirituality, however you want to put it. But it's amazing. Like that, The other thing that's interesting is I am amazed at what the human body is able to endure. I mean, mm. some of the most successful, brilliant people are, uh, ma you know, managed decades on soda and Cheetos and fast food, but still managed to break free from it, have the strength to break free from it, not have died. Um, so I look at the human body as a mystery, uh, 
also something we know a lot about, but still a mystery that is a, just an amazing thing that we're able to still accomplish what we do, given what we do to ourselves. Yeah, that is the truth. I am so very grateful for that. I have what's, you know, you know I have a genetic predisposition towards Crohn's, which I say it like that because I don't like saying I have it. Um, I can trigger <laughs> those genes is what happens. Okay. My aunt died at 52 from it and her uncle died at okay. 35 and I'm 38. So, so I, I really, I'm, I, I probably am more <laughs> prone to feeling, you know, those kinds of differences. So just want to put that out there. Yeah, absolutely. But, but that's so incredible. Did, and I saw that you talked about you, ha- you, you do yoga, you teach yoga. Do you, you don't. It was like a oh. yoga course in one of the talks I was listening to. Um, I have taken some yoga and I, I did start a yoga teacher training once, but I only That's what it was. The first, okay. I went to the first two classes and then I just really didn't like my teacher. So. I get it. I get it. The teacher training. <laughs> do you meditate? It, do, do you have um, a practice or anything that you, that you do? So... I I would say that my practice is it's eating, trying to put good food into my body, trying to be connected to my food. It's spend it's breathing fresh air, you know, trying to spend as much time outside as possible where I'm just taking in fresh, pure air. It's walking, it's bicycling, um, it's swimming, it's immersing in whatever bodies of water I have available to, available to me, whether if I'm living in Florida, it's the ocean, or right now I'm in Wisconsin. Last night, yesterday I went for a swim and it's 43 degrees Fahrenheit, 6 degrees Celsius in the water while little snowflakes are coming down from the sky. That's huge. Like those swims are still huge to me. So, you know, I guess like my meditation is incorporated into my daily existence like um i do try to stop and just you know stop Mm -hmm. and breathe and it's amazing how just a few breaths brings like the anxiety down like i do see i do deal with anxiety quite a bit like more than i should and i have to put more effort into figuring out why i have this anxiety because i should have less than i do Mm. but i've noticed that just a few deep breaths like truly brings the anxiety down because I can feel the anxiety in my chest and those deep breaths actually reduces that feeling in my chest. Um, And then one other practice that really is helpful is just taking a moment to do 10 ohms, um, Mm. which I'm not good at ohming, but doing it is still very helpful. And so sometimes I do that. um, But yeah, so I, I have, I'm far from having any level of like, a consistent yogic or meditative practice, but I do try to just incorporate basic goodness into my life as, as much as possible. Not as much as possible. I don't even close to do it as much as possible, but I try to do a good amount. <laughs> well, you, you, you've done so much and you've planned and then put into action so much that it really is to hear these things is I think empowering to a lot of people. Who feel like, man, I need to start meditating. I need to, you know, start gardening, and I need to. And it's like, no, Rob, like, is doing this without all like the training. <laughs> a big one doing. though is 
Yeah. Doing things is, uh, yeah. And, but, but a big one is, is, oh, here's some other things. Here's the big parts of it too. It's the way I've designed my life. So I don't commute. I, I, I gave up on the idea of commuting a long time ago because of the hours that are put into that. I designed my life to be localized where what I need to do is nearby me. So walking or biking to where I need to go in itself, when you walk or bike, you're generally uplifting yourself. When you're driving, you are down lifting. I don't know what the word would be, but driving generally brings you down, whereas biking and walking often brings you up. Hmm. Um, So I got rid of my car in 2012 and have lived without a car since then. I have no bill, no monthly bills to my name, Hmm. which allows me to be deeply present. You know, I've chosen for me personally not to have children. Um, I got a vasectomy when I was 25, so nine years ago now. And I am absolutely supportive of having children consciously, choosing to have children and love them and raise them and pour your love into them and give them the lives they deserve. I'm 100% supportive of that. But for me personally, I decided that in order to live the life that really I wanted in order to make the change that I wanted. Having children was not my best, um, my best path. And so the point is, what I'm saying is that I've removed these things from my life that would not allow me to live in my presence. And, to, and in that way, I'm basically living in a much more meditative state, you could say, because I've removed the constant drones that would Uh, make me have to meditate so much rather than just existing in sort of a state of balance and and contentness and then another big part of that is that contentedness is about being happy with what you have I could want a lot more like you know I'm pretty bald I started balding when I was like 19 I actually this is funny I got an email from a company in Georgia, the country, offering to fly me over there for free and give me hair transplants. Um, because, you know, people follow me on social media. I oh. If I cared about this, <laughs> I, I could go get a head of hair and a lush trip to Georgia for free. But I don't care about that. <laughs> like, and, and, you know, so many people our age, so many men care about penis size. I don't care about penis size. My penis is my penis and it, it, it's, it's fine. It doesn't matter what size <laughs> it is. It's an average size penis. But for a lot of people, an average size penis is a small penis. It's not enough for them. So the point of the talking about my balding and my, my normal average regular penis size is that I'm just happy with what they are. I'm content. And that allows me to be at this state of focusing on what matters and not on what doesn't. And that's also a form of a meditative existence is to just be happy with what I have. And I have so much. Mm. You know, it's funny. I was going, my next question was about, about what happens when you turn 40, because I don't know if you've heard the rumors, the older boys have told me that there's a change that comes when you like around 40 and you chill out. You become much more contented, much more reflective, more generationally thought, thinking, and you're already there, generationally thinking, you know. And 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 I'm just, I, I'm just wondering, have you thought about the fact that you might you might 
like change and might want to like suddenly take be a be a pilot or <laughs> because that's yeah. like part of the like unpredictableness of, of, of human beings. Um, well, so what I've the way I've designed my life is I've designed it to be able to change my life is as needed to yeah. meet my passions and um, and live purposefully and in a fulfilling life. However. I have made a lifetime commitment that what I'm doing will be in service to humanity and earth and other species and that it will be uplifting, not uh, destroying. Yeah. And so I am not really leaving space for switching to a hobby such as just a recreational pilot. Um, I think that's what you said, a pilot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I'm not, I'm not leaving the space to be able to leave all of my ethics and morals at the wayside, but I leave the space to be able to change uh, as needed in order to be um, a fulfilled human being. And, and, you know, like just one thing that comes to mind is relationships, love. Um, I personally, you know, have decided that I'm never going to get married not in any way because I don't support having a partner for life or other people getting married if they so choose to, but I really support the idea that human beings need to be, um, can, they need to be content and have a, a level of independence on their own. And in, in a relationship, the relationship needs to serve the best interest of both the relationship, the two people together, and the individuals alone. And so for me, like I maybe end up, end up being with someone for the rest of my life, but it's not something I'll ever put on paper. We will spend the rest of our life together if it is in best service to ourselves as individuals and as a couple. And so that's just another element of the designing of life to be flexible um, rather than, you know, I guess you look at what a lot of what I do and it looks maybe very structured and rigorous which it is, but it's also built in with impermanence. The fact that everything is impermanent and constantly changing is at mm. the center of the way that I design everything that I am involved in. That's really, I think, really critical um, because so many people, as you talk about, it's so funny because so many of your responses, you're like, you don't, you have disclaimers and you're like, you don't have to be exactly me. These, this is my life that I've designed. These are the choices I'm making because they serve me. And I think that so many people have this, this like, are you me? Am I, am I you? And, they're, and they've got this like panic <laughs> over yeah. creating congruencies with the, the images that we see on these videos. And um, it's, um, it's pretty darning. Um, and, it, and it puts us in, different, in a weird kind of position too. And we're like, no, that's what we want. <laughs> Yeah, I do think it's really important to look up to people and to have heroes and idols, but and and to and to um, make goals to achieve what it is that you in yourself what you love about them, but never to lose that you are a completely unique individual with a completely unique set of circumstances. That is what you have to work with as the framework of designing your own life, and that's what I've. That's what I've done is I, I take the best, I don't, not take, but I, I learn the best of the people that I love and that I respect and I, I do work to emulate that. And then I look at the people that 
are the great destroyers of the world and I learn who I don't want to be from them. Um, I learn from toxic people as much as I learn from pure people. Like I follow people that I consider purity. Mm. Um, you know, like people like Mahatma Gandhi or Thich Nhat Hanh or the Dalai Lama would be people that are, you know, are trying to achieve a level of purity in existence. And those people are people that I've, that I've always had respect for and that I do um, learn from and, and, uh, and, and, and glean from. And then, but I also watch toxic people and I say, okay, that's exactly what I don't want to be. And I learn so much from, from both sides. And so I think it's just really important to use, uh, you know, people in our lives as situations for learning and, and, um, and incorporating into our lives what serves us and what serves humanity. I think your example is one of the most inspiring because it's, you're like, no, 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 I'm going to remove these things from my life. Most people are like, no, no, this is life. It's like, no, no, this component in your life first. <laughs> Recognize it. And then to be able to remove it, be like, no, no, I'm going to remove debt. I'm going to remove my credit score. I'm going to remove my driver's license and that whole aspect. And then to recognize how, because it's obvious, it's, it's like you meditate, it's like, you know, you're getting this deeper nourishment from the world around you. And it's because you've removed this simple living ethos that, that you exemplify is so powerful. Um, who, who did you see do that? Or did, you, did that just come to you that you're like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just simplify it and that's going to be the way? Yeah, I, I do think that in context, it's powerful. Out of context, it's not powerful at all. It's just like existence. But in the times that we are in, yeah. living a simple life, uh, a, 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 like a deeply thought out, simple life that's not destroying the world is extremely powerful in the time that we live in. As far as where the where I got it from, <laughs> I I don't know. You know, that's a, that's that's one of those things. Like, it's I don't actually necessarily. It is from many things. That's for sure. I I have to say that I I don't have the best memory. Um, there's a lot of things that I've done that my friends tell me I'm I've done, and I'm like, oh, that's a nice story. I didn't know that. I like that. Um, there's so much that I just don't remember. And so it's hard for me to really say like where things came from exactly. Um, but I, I, I do feel like there's part of me that's just always been a part of nature, as yeah. some would say, like, I've just always had this foundation of just, I feel like there's part of me that's always had a somewhat of a foundation of just existing within this earth in, mm. in a, fairly basic way. But the key is that I had to nurture that because you can have some of that foundation, but if you constantly surround yourself with the McDonald's drive-through and with a two-hour commute and with work employees that you, you know, with, you know, a bunch of people at work that you don't like, that don't feed your soul, then you lose that and you forget that you had it. And so what I did is I nurtured that in every way that I could by surrounding myself with what I wanted to become and who I wanted to become. And I think that's a really important thing is that I do believe that we as humans largely are our surroundings. I do think we can ascend our surroundings, but I think generally we largely are our surroundings. And so 
I saw that my surroundings weren't what I wanted to be. I, you know, I grew up in Wisconsin and I was surrounded by binge drinking in mm. college and I was a binge drinker myself. And I didn't want to be that anymore. I didn't really see myself being able to remove myself from binge drinking while still hanging out with the same people that go to the same bars. And I managed to do it somewhat in Wisconsin, but still I'd find myself getting blackout drunk here and there. Um, And so I removed myself from Wisconsin. I moved out to Southern California, surrounded myself with different people. Online, I, I read... I read and watched different videos and, and, you know, articles, um, read different books, uh, you know, surrounded myself with what I basically surround myself with what I want to be. Um, you know, last year I went to a monastery for five days. Um, it's the Deer Park Monastery in Southern California, which was started by Thich Nhat Hanh, which is Mm. someone who inspires me. And that five days there in those surroundings was, was a very meaningful bit of transformation. Like that was almost a year ago today. It was last January. So 10 months ago. And I hold that within me, um, that five day experience that that was a powerful five day, simple experience. And, um, so yeah. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) You are your surroundings to a degree. Yeah, and I love the avenue you open up this door. That I mean, I I'm in the process. We're in this process of of going through everything we own repeatedly and winnowing down and removing. I mean, my wife has heirlooms, and I have heirlooms from you know three four generations ago, and it's like stuff, 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 and and it's beautiful stuff. It's great stuff, but but it's stuff. And and yeah. it's like we're 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 removing, and the more we remove, it's like the lighter you know our lives get, and the more excited she gets, and the the more like possibilities seem to open up in our imagination as we like like well if we don't have all this stuff and we could just leave and we could do this and we could travel to other locations and see what like their water's like and. <laughs> My boy, yeah. my boys love water too. My son oh. James is a cold water fanatic and has mm. been since he's very young. And we would be in the winter in Washington State, in the mountains, like where it's snowy and icy. And my son would go into the water to scare the other Boy Scouts. <laughs> so yeah, no, we're we're into it. Uh, we were sur- he was surfing uh, yesterday without a wetsuit and meanwhile everyone's like what are you doing you know he's like yeah, that's great warm so Thanks yeah yeah but but it's I, i'm in a situation where it's like i really need to simplify and then also need to make some serious decisions because when you have a family it's like you you have these stages you're like okay we need the nest and the nest is going to be here for like the first 20 years or so yeah you know yeah. and and in my mind, I, I love the Amish way where you just like, you know, build another section on the house here and then they go there. You know what yeah. I mean? I, but they could be a little distant down the road, I guess. But, but like we homeschooled and unschooled. So I've been there every day. And I used to take my son with me to like high school and everything. So I, I really want us to be together. I want to have the ability to have us be close and have our, my kids meet the right people. 
but that increasingly is like an algorithmic problem and I never finished pre-cal. And so I, it is so hard. It's like, I want to do what you've done, you know, where you've like mapped it out, you've well thought it out. And I feel like I, I started this in reaction and in happenstance, this life. And now I'm like trying to be like, no, 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 we got to be deliberate about this. Huh? I wasn't yeah. deliberate about this. And so it's this process of shifting and reevaluating. And I think um, many of us are in this position, but I need to do it. I need to follow the path you have because it's like, yeah, I'm meditating, you know, and sometimes the meditation doesn't work because my brain's like, yeah. <laughs> because, you know, maybe I hear the boys arguing. Maybe, yeah. you know, I well, know that in 30 minutes they're all going to wake up. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's, it's a really good, yeah, it's a really good point. And one of the words you used is deliberate. Um, so, and the way that I look at it is the more years that you lived undeliberately, mm-hmm. the harder it is going to be to get to a point of living, living deliberately. Now, I'm really fortunate that I started living deliberately at a very, at a, you know, pretty young age of 25. So I hadn't had, a, say, a mortgage that I didn't want yet or too much debt or things that like <clears throat> were hard to reverse. So when people, you know, are say 40 years old and they already have like maybe a house they don't like uh, that they have a mortgage on and they are commuting an hour for a job that they need in order to pay the bills and they've already made these decisions that are hard to get out of, it's, it's a challenge. And like, I just want to say that like, I understand that challenge and it's, it's very real. So the thing is it's, it's, it still has to be the same kind of thing that I went through though. And that's one bit at a time. Now I was, I didn't have as big of a hole to dig myself out of as many people do. Many people have a much bigger hole to dig themselves out of, but even if you only dig yourself out part of the way, it's still meaningful and it matters and it will take time. Like for me, it only took me less than five years to really dig myself out of all those holes. So if that, given where I was, if it took five years, I really wouldn't expect someone who, you know, already has a lot of things that are, they feel stuck in to be able to generally do it very rapidly. It's possible, but it takes time. It's just that it's a difficult situation. This world is designed in a very difficult way by our current humanity. And we are stuck and we are wrapped into a system that is designed to keep us stuck and wrapped into it. So it'll be like for anyone, it'll be a lot of hard work. It'll be deliberation to get to a point of simplicity generally takes a stage of complexity, unfortunately but it's kind of the reality of the situation that we're in. Yeah. But the beautiful thing is that each day you can still be adding more simplicity into that state of chaos and complexity. And you can start to feel that, you know, relaxation and each little bit can, can be meaningful, but it's generally going to require a state of like, when you decide to, uh, you know, create a state of upheaval within something that is chaotic, but you kind of have it as a level base of chaos. And then you decide you want to try to change it. You're going to have possibly a state of chaos before you can get back to a state of down to a state of simplicity. 
Mm, I feel like our system is in a state of chaos and injecting simplicity is what people really need to do. And I think that I'm guilty just formulaically by being a person of solution, solution, solution. Even in my relationships when I was like, you know, this thing happened. I'm like, solution, solution. She's like, can I finish? And I'm like, ah. So this is really good. We need to do more of this. I need to do more of this is to bring in simplicity, remove more of these stressors from my life. I am, I'm so very grateful for the time you took with us to, to give us this amazing like leverage point in life that is, has, has always been there as you, you definitely point out, but we just don't see it in the chaos and this. Meanwhile, it's right there on the counter in front of us. And, it, you know, and oh, I'm so grateful. So thank you so much for the Good. life you've chosen, for being here today with us and for continuing on to share with so many. That's my pleasure. Um, and you made me, there's another thing that I wanted to say along those lines, you mentioned like getting rid of stuff. Yeah. And um, it makes me think, you know, right now the really famous person is Marie Kondo. And she says like you, when you are thinking about getting rid of something, you pick it up and say, does this spark joy? And mm. I like that. But for me, the question is more complex than just does this spark joy? <laughs> another way of looking at it as, by not having this, does the space allow for something better? Whether that's material possessions or bills or a larger house uh, or you know something along those lines, it's not just about looking at this. It's about the absence of that, what it opens up the space for. So, Often people think of giving up, but the way I always like to look at things is when I get, when I give up, when I get rid of, there's a space created. And some people think of that space being created as an emptiness, a, 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 a feeling of void, like this vacuum that's been created now where you're empty. But it's actually what it is. You've created a space that can be filled with what matters, what's more important to you. And so a bit to tie those two things together, getting rid of all of this extraneous stuff that you don't really need, where it feels like it's got a purpose. And of course it does have some purpose, but there is a bigger purpose in its non-existence in that it opens up for a much more meaningful, deepful existence in life. Wow, and that ties directly into my favorite meditation by uh, Joe Dispenza, where, you know, like 20 minutes into it, you start meditating on nothing because it's the possibility rather than what's already known that we're amping up. And Sounds it's like, nice. yeah, it is nice. I love it. The void, the emptiness, the, the possibility the all like possibility going past what I already know into the unknown is like my, my, it's my, my happy place. Um, so it's incredible to see, to hear you make that connection so deftly with 
the uh, the objects with the world around us because that's like taking that's living a meditative life like actual point to point that is it wow <sighs> amazing yeah it's very connected um you know another way of looking at it is like i look at a a cluttered space is a cluttered space here often so it's when you have this when everything's filled in around you, it makes this constant bombardment of the, the, the space inside your head, yeah. your thoughts. You're constantly filled and it doesn't leave space here. And so a clear space where you only have what serves you and what benefits you and not the rest, again, that's an example of how that space is what gives you the space here to pursue the thoughts that serve your best interest and your purpose in life. So, you know, the physical and the non-existent are completely connected when you start to really look at those things. And that's where when you're just surrounded by too much stuff, it's hard to have a meditative, peaceful way of, of thinking, harder. I'm realizing that the way even I organize my seeds is taxing my brain in a way. I don't, I don't organize my seeds. I know where they all are. Like I have an encyclopedic okay. memory. And so like that's, I, 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 my mom has a photographic memory. So she used to read like law oh, wow. texts like this thick and be able to quote on the, like the house floor. Well, Imagine yeah. that being your mom. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> don't forget that anything. Um, but, uh, but like I, I, I know I'm using a lot of bandwidth in my head, just keeping track of all my stuff, all the seeds, all the different tools, like the fermentation times on that, that versus that. Like mm -hmm. I just do it all. I don't write anything down. Uh, and I do write huh. books and all, but I don't write any of those things down. And so my wife's always like, you know, no one knows what you're doing. If we needed to help you, we wouldn't be able to. <laughs> Well, that's an amazing, that is an amazing thing to have. I, I would, uh, that's, that's a, that's a beautiful element of the brain right there. Well, it's with written things, primarily with written things and things I can touch like spatially, but, um, it, verbal things don't stick the same way. <laughs> huh. Okay. So if someone's like telling me something like in a conversation and I'm not fully present, I will not retain it the same way. But if you write it yep. down and hand it to me and I read it and look at you and read it, I've got it. Wow. That's great. That's great. Yeah. But and for other people, you know, it can be frustrating. It's like, you remember everything about soil, but not what I told you. <laughs> but you know, we all have to have our thing, right? Yeah, um, we do. We all have our, we all have our, our great strengths and our great weaknesses. And often those two things are inseparable and they, your great weaknesses play a role in your strengths. Yeah, it's so true. I am so grateful. I feel a renewed like vigor for the path that I'm on. And I feel like I've got like a, a whole new like gear on the vehicle, though we're not driving vehicles here. No, a new gear shift on the, on the bamboo bicycle. That's what I should be saying. Um, but it just feels like you open up such a liberating possibility, especially by the way you've done it without, 
you've set high bars, but you've planned it out, you've done it right, you've let certain things mature, and you've made this a process. It feels really open to, to people taking on in their own way, improvising to their own you know, life design, and making that powerful impact in the world around them. So thank you so good. much for doing that. Well, that's good to hear. I, I just wrote on social media yesterday how I feel like I'm spinning my wheels a little bit right now and uh, just trying to get a lot done and just not quite feeling like I am. And that's actually a nice reminder that the the truly simple existence uh, just creates critical thinking each day and in the world we live in today, that is powerful. You know, I it's like one of those things I look at, like uh, a, a monk walking down the street in New York City in a state of peace mm. can emanate out onto so many people. It can, they, people can see that peace just by the monk existing. They can create that, they can create that thought and that state of peace in people that they will never know about. However, that state of peace that that monk has didn't come from not doing something. It came from years of intentional work to get to that point. And uh, so that's just something that, that you kind of just reminded me of that. Um, it's just, uh, yeah, just going to keep going. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> and we'll keep watching and supporting you because man, it is an amazing path that you are on. Good. And, uh, and, I'll, and hopefully people will be seeing you on my YouTube channel. Uh, like, we, uh, like we talked about before we got on the podcast, I emailed you back in, in May and uh, somehow it didn't come through to you, but I want uh, you to impart your permaculture knowledge onto the people on my YouTube channel. So we'll make sure that, uh, that people listening will get to check that out when it comes out. Yeah, I'm going to find this. I can't. Yeah, I will. F wait, is it? Oh, I did find it. Rob it was Greenfield probably from video. films. Yep, there we cool. go. All right. We, All right. We, will, we will make this happen. I am so excited to be part of everything and to talk more with you, too, because I feel like I'm, 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 I'm getting onboarding some of the simplicity and I'm going to be living it more. And I really appreciate that. <laughs> right on. Very good to hear. All right. Thank you so much, Rob. All right. Thank you. And see you all next time. I love you all very much. All right. Thank you so much for listening to that. Wasn't that incredible? The idea that the space that, that, that stuff occupies is actually raw potential when it's nothing's there. When I meditate, I go into this emptiness where every, it's just the unknown and it's just all the possibilities. And so I get all these crazy, amazing ideas that just keep flowing out of that space. And it just, I, to, to make it physical, to make it real in my real life like that and make it that same exact kind of meditative connection was empowering for me, liberating for me. Set me on a new path, maybe corrected my path um, so that I'll arrive at where I, I really wanna go faster. And that's what this is about. We all want to arrive at that regenerative future sooner. And if you want a community to help you learn how to do this, to introduce you to dozens upon dozens of experts in all the little niches 
that, that comprise the holistic regenerative change that needs to happen, applying permaculture at every level, every nook and cranny, and even you know, economically, even business-wise, even, even socially, then you should check out the Advanced Permaculture Student Online. All climates, all bioregions, global, all over the world, we span everything. And I wasn't comfortable with the PDC model because when, when, when you just reward the act of creating the, the simulacra of it or the idea of it, it's completely different when you actually do it and you troubleshoot and work through all those different you know, problems, complications, new details, and deeper understanding. And when we have a community, when we're rewarded for actually creating something, it's different. When you reward someone for actually creating it, they value it on a completely different level. And it's recognized at a different level because it's actual. It's not a design, it's not a potential, it's not a possibility. You actually created it. You trouble, you know, shot through that whole water system and figured it out and took a design and made it much more sophisticated. And now you understand how to design at another level because you made it real and worked it out. And so this is so critical because natural systems, they're all individual, they're all unique. They require not just all this forethought, all this learning, and they do. That's our fluency that allows us to react, to discuss, to analyze, to reflect, observe, and interact at a higher level. And so I created this program to be project-based. So we get the PDC, but that's just the first step. You know, getting certified as a permaculture designer, I believe should have more sophistication. But I was asked by some of the oldest people who have been in permaculture to not mess up the PDC because it's a great introductory model. And it is, but it's not enough. We have to do, we have to use these skills. We have to reflect on how they work. We have to see their value. And only when we do that and can make something real and show people, are things going to really move? Are things going to actually change? And permaculture is going to reach the mainstream, but it's only going to reach the mainstream through actuals. It's not going to reach the mainstream through, through paper designs and through pretty pictures. It's going to be through actual designs, actual food forests, actual food, and actual healed systems, healed watersheds, green deserts. That's what's actually going to change things in our world. So that's why I created the Advanced Permaculture Student Online. And I also see all this guruism and everything. And I, I'm a high school teacher, you know what I mean? Um, I, I try to teach to the best of my ability, but I know that I'm not going to resonate with everyone perfectly. And if I bring in all the different voices, the actual experts who have fluency in these things, they're going to speak with such depth and understanding that there's going to be lessons that we can't we, we actually can't like put our finger on completely that you, you'll get from the actual experts of that niche. Now, you may be like, Matt, you're pitching blah, 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 and I don't care. You know, I just want the information. Well, that's cool too. That's why I give away the textbook that it's based upon for free because I believe it's a human right. And I 
and you know, I mean, we all have to make a living and providing a program that's far and away above just reading in a book, far and away above collegiate programs, PDC programs, everything else that's out there. You have the ability to go to that next level, to access that. And, and that's really what I want. I, I want people to be able to get the information to go to that next level because I had read all the books and only when I started working with Jeff Lawton, Neil Speckman, Elaine Ingham, with a whole group, a whole host of experts in the niches, did I actually get a fluency and a holistic understanding of all of these things. So I really value going deeply into these things. That's why my course is over twice as long. It's actually one and it's actually two and a half times as long as a regular PDC. So it's an official PDC plus a lot more information. And then we've got a gigantic community that's incredibly helpful that allows us to discuss things, to be vulnerable. Say, I don't understand this and get the actual feedback that we need to do better, to accomplish that next level, to grow all the food that we need, to start that business, to get yourself out of the situation that you're in. I was in debt. I was living in a garage. I was at a dead-end job. My wife was facing cancer again and again, and I had two very young sons. And it was permaculture that got me out of that situation. And I'm telling you, it can do the same for you. You have the ability to grow your own food, to generate your own electricity, to catch water, you have the ability to transform yourself, transform the world around you. And the information is there. If you go to thepermaculturestudent.com, you scroll down, look for my gift to you. And that's the permaculture student too. If you're like, I need even more introductory, Matt, scroll down even further, look for the permaculture student one. They were kickstarted. There were gifts for me to give back to you. And I believe in paying it forward. So. That's, that's, that's what I'm about. I'm about making sure my success is your success and making sure that because <laughs> no one's going to get to this regenerative future by taking the ball and running in their own direction to their own goal. It's a team effort. We've got to get there together. We've got to help each other. We've got to transform these systems to be, to, to be designed to actually help people, designed to actually support people, designed to actually help the environment and designed to carry on into the future. And that's what the Advanced Permaculture Student is all about. It's the first accredited permaculture program in all of North America by a government body ever. And it's the first standard-based curriculum ever created for permaculture. So we're, we're at a new age, a new day, and it's happening like right at the perfect time because we are in dire straits. Um, the pandemic has revealed how brittle, how fragile, how broken our systems really are. And people see it and they don't know what to do because they don't know about permaculture. And so they're panicking, they're freaking out and the system's being destroyed when we could inoculate it. When, instead of burning it all down and trying to grow in ashes, we can prune, 
compost, Hugo culture, swale, key line design. We can change it all into a system of abundance, into a system of regeneration. And that's what my course is about, the Advanced Permaculture Student Online. Right now, it's on sale, 60% off with a payment plan of $50 a month. It's never this low. So this is the only time of year that that happens. So check it out, jump on it. It, it, it's an incredible thing. I want to make sure that everyone who wants to can get in. And that's why, you know, it's just the cost of, a, you know, a tank of gas. So sign up, join us. There's, an inc there's incredible bonuses um, for, for other, other tiers and other different things that you want to sign up for. This is an incredible time. It's a very trying time. It's a challenging time. But in those times, is when our greatness gets called out. It is in those challenging times that we find out who we really are, that we make these hard decisions and make these choices that take us to that next level. And I, I really want those lessons to carry through my work, that, that you can do it, that all this is possible, that there is hope, that we have the science, that we just need to do the work, we just need to educate, we just need to get the word out. <laughs> because once this is common sense, the world will change. And that's why I'm getting it into schools. And that's why I'm teaching everyone I can, and that's why I make it affordable. You know, when I took the PDC, it was $1,000. And um, this is almost half of that uh, with the discount and the scholarship and everything. You can do this. And... This is, this is what it's all about. We're going to make it there. We're going to get there. And I know it because I've seen it. <laughs> I've seen the regenerative future in the businesses, on the farms, in the forests, in the deserts turned green. It's inspiring. It's possible. And you are part of it. If you're watching this, if you're listening to this, you have a piece of the puzzle, of the solution of the regenerative jigsaw puzzle of solutions, you have a piece and your role is vital. So download the books, watch my videos. You can watch the, uh, the textbook that it's based on on my YouTube as an audiobook. So if you're audio modality, click on that. But whatever you do, get going, get moving, because the solutions are there waiting for you. A better life, joy, Happiness, enthusiasm, abundance is waiting for you. I'm Matt Powers. Grow abundantly, learn daily, and live regeneratively. <laughs> My new book, Regenerative Soil, is about to be printed, and all the pre-orders are about to be sent out. So if you want to hop in on that, I would do that now. I've got an incredible surprise that I want to reveal about it um, soon, but I want to have the physical book here to show you what I mean. <laughs> So uh, the, the amazing things are coming. So um, get excited and I'll be seeing you. <laughs> what I saw happening with the farms that began to learn how to use the probiotic technology was that they were becoming independent and free from the hydroponic stores, from the ag sellers who were pushing these chemicals to them. So. So yeomans put dams up on hillsides and you go all over Australia now and there's dams on hillsides because they don't know necessarily where that 
technology came from, but he did it and then everyone else followed and sort of a Chinese whispers followed after that. Any swimming pool that has a pumping system in it and holds water on it can be converted into a biological system with just a few added additions. Jean-Martin knew at that moment uh, that if he would say yes to that project, the des Quatre Temps, he wouldn't have all the pieces in all the insights to scale up so fast. Uh, in fact, I agree with Gandhi, who came to feel after 50 years of work and experimentation and meditation, that nonviolence is what makes us human. There's about 250 different kinds of ladybugs in North America, and um, they, the different ladybugs eat different critters. Soil is about everything. Everything is about the soil. You can have the prettiest garden in the world, but without that soil, you're not there. It is the highest form of digestible protein in the entire planet animal kingdom. More than soy, more than beef, more than chicken, all of that. Why? And what was that keyword? The keyword was digestible. And this is really important because our pattern literacy is the key to us operating at our best selves, at our highest like operating capacities, at you know our smartest selves, our wisest selves. And so we want this, we need this. And so peak performance, what they figured out is that we are enlarging our schema, our understanding of the holistic reality using patterns.